So this is our Bible Institute evening. And um, do we have a Bible Institute? Uh, actually, if you, uh, you, we can award, we award associate's degrees and bachelor's degrees. Um, and we have 922 students as of today. And 922. And so um, we get new students all the time. We got them all over the world now. Uh, just had an, another uh, person complete their bachelor's degree. And I can't remember which country they're in. I think it's Kenya. But uh, it, it's, uh, it's not Kenya. It's right next to it. I'll check for you and let you know. But um, that's neat that we have an opportunity to minister to folks all over. You can certainly take these for credit if you'd like. You just register on the, uh, on the website, uh, onlinebibleinstitute.org, or you can get them from our main pages. Go to the Bible Institute. Register. There's 117 courses that you can take. You can take them at your own pace, your own speed. These, course, these classes can count towards a course. Um, there's a little bit extra work. If you want to take it for credit, you have to write a paper at the end and answer a few questions. And also the stuff that I do on the weekends rolls into courses. And uh, same deal. You can come and just sit in or at any time you can turn it into a course. If you'd like, 20 courses will get you an associate's degree. 40 will get you a bachelor's degree. So we figured out a little while ago that if you just came regularly on Wednesdays and the weekends for four years, you'd have an associate's degree. So that's a pretty good deal. All right. That's enough of me chatting. So we're, we're working through... Um, from uh, in this part of the course from the second Samuel through second Kings and we're gonna uh, we're up into second Kings now we're gonna get into second Kings today lots of stuff happens remember um, this week I didn't give it to you but the last couple of times we've met I've given you a chart of the Kings that I've told you to hang on to because it's very helpful in knowing who's doing what because uh, when you're studying through the Kings it jumps back and forth between the two kingdoms remember the kingdoms divided now and uh, there's the kingdom of Israel and the kingdom of Judah. And, uh, and, and Judah is Judah, and they've kind of absorbed Benjamin at this point in time. And so the other kingdoms, uh, the other ten tribes are in, uh, are considered the kingdom of Israel. And so if you um, refer to this chart, you'll see that all the kings of Israel are bad kings. They're all evil, every single one of them. And uh, there's 19 of them. And the kings of Judah are almost all evil. There is uh, four, five, six, seven, eight out of the 20 that are reasonably good. But the rest of them are evil as well. Uh, and, and that's just kind of fascinating to watch. And right now you can, get, you can get stuck because there's a period in time where both the king of Israel and the king of Judah have the same name. And that's going on right now uh, in the process. And uh, it's... Uh, in the king of Judah, it's Jehoram. And in the king of Israel, it's Jehoram. So talk about making it confusing. Um, there you go. You have that happening. And they both have Ahaziahs right around them. So you have to pay attention to what's happening. The chart will help as we pop back and forth. So um, we're looking into Second uh, Kings now, chapter 1, in uh, time. In history, we're at about 853 B.C. right now um, with the beginning of 2 Kings. Uh, and um, Ahab has just died uh, when we finished our thing. Uh, and, and so we're, we're gonna, you're about to take into um, the, the transfer from Elijah to Elisha. It's going to happen here in 2 Kings. But um, Moab rebels against Israel. Let me read you some of this. 2 Kings 1, um, beginning in verse 1. 
and I'm going to read like 18 verses. So after Ahab's death, Moab rebelled against Israel. Now Ahaziah had fallen through the lattice of his upper room in Samaria and injured himself. So he sent messengers saying to them, Go and consult Beelzebub, the god of Ekron, to see if I will recover from this injury. But the angel of the Lord said to Elijah the Tishbite, Go up and meet the messengers of the king of Samaria and ask them, Is it because there's no god in Israel that you're going off to consult Beelzebub, the god of Ekron? Therefore this is what the Lord says, You will not leave the bed you are lying on, you will certainly die. So Elijah went. And when the messengers returned to the king, he asked them, Why have you come back? A man came to meet us, they replied, and he said to us, Go back to the king who sent you and tell him, This is what the Lord says, It is because there is no god in Israel that you are sending me to consult Beelzebub, the god of Ekron. Therefore you will not leave the bed you are lying on, you will certainly die. And the king asked them, What kind of man was it who came to you? and told you this. And they replied, He was a man with a garment of hair and with a leather belt around his waist. And the king said, That was Elijah the Tishbite. So they, they, he knew who Elijah was. Pesky Elijah um, kept bringing God's word to them and the evil kings didn't want to hear it. So, uh, so he says, So a lot of these guys when they don't want to hear what God has to say, they kill the messenger. Uh, and, uh, or they do their best to kill the messenger if they can. Um, but they're not going to kill Elijah, but he's going to try. So the king uh, sent uh, to Elijah a captain with his company of 50 men, and the captain went up to Elijah who was sitting on the top of the hill and said to him, Man of God, the king says, Come down. And Elijah answered the captain, If I am a man of God, may fire come down from heaven and consume you and your 50 men. And then fire fell from heaven and consumed the captain and his men. So that's not a good situation for the captain and his 50. At this... You'd think the king might have taken a little notice, but no, he's an evil king. Sent to Elijah another captain with his 50 men. And the captain says to him, Man of God, this is what the king says, come down at once. If I am a man of God, Elijah replied, May fire come down from heaven and consume you and your 50 men. And then the fire of God fell from heaven and consumed him and his 50 men. You think the king would get it? But it's not the king going. <laughs> So the king sent a third captain with his 50 men. By now they've all heard what's been going on. And the third captain went up and fell on his knees before Elijah. Man of God, he begged. <laughs> Which is kind of funny because he keeps saying, if I am a man of God, this is going to happen. So this king figured it out. Man of God, he says. He begs, please, have respect for my life and the lives of these 50 men, your servants. See, fire has fallen from heaven and consumed the first two captains and all their men, but now have respect for my life. And the angel of the Lord said to Elijah, Go down with him. Do not be afraid of him. So Elijah got up and went down with him to the king. And he told the king, This is what the Lord says. Is it because there is no God in Israel for you to consult that you have sent messengers to consult Beelzebub, the god of Ekron? Because you have done this, you will never leave the bed you are lying on. You will certainly die. So he died according to the word of the Lord that Elijah had spoken. Because Ahaziah had no son, Joram succeeded him as king in the second year of Jehoram, which is exactly the same name, son of Jehoshaphat, king of Judah. As for all the other events of Ahaziah's reign and what he did, are they not written in the book of Annals of the king of Israel? So um, you've got Joram, or Jehoram, becomes king of Israel, and during, as I said, that period of time, both the king, the king of Israel and the king of Judah, have the same name. So I think a lot of times when people are going through kings, that's why they get confused. They're not sure what's happening and they don't understand the threat of things. That's why the little chart will help um, that I gave you the last couple of weeks. To, you can sort of know and to know that you're popping back and forth between kingdoms sometimes. So things are happening and try and, try and keep it straight. All right. But we're hanging out right now pretty much in the northern kingdom. So um, Elisha now is going to come 
onto the scene. Remember, it's been Elijah up to this time, uh, but Elisha's coming onto the scene. And uh, uh, in, in Kings, 2 Kings 2, verse 1, when the Lord was about to take Elijah up to heaven in a whirlwind, Elijah and Elisha were on their way from Gilgal. Verse 9, 2 Kings 2. When they had crossed, Elijah said to Elisha, tell me, what can I do for you before I'm taken from you? Let me inherit a double portion of your spirit, Elisha replied. You have asked a difficult thing, Elijah said. Yet if you see me when I'm taken from you, it will be yours, otherwise not. And as they were walking together along and talking together, suddenly a chariot of fire and horses of fire appeared and separated the two of them. And Elijah went up to heaven in a whirlwind. Elijah saw this and cried out, My father, my father, the chariots and horsemen of Israel. And Elisha saw him no more. And then he took hold of his own clothes and tore them apart. So Elisha witnessed Elijah being taken up um, in a whirlwind. Pretty, pretty cool for Elijah uh, to uh, get taken up that way in this whole process. You know, in the, in the Old Testament, um, there's, there's two guys who seem to get taken out of here in this manner uh, without the way most of us go, which is dying physically. And Elijah is one of them. Uh, in the process. You know who the other one is? Back in Genesis. Anyone? You do? What is it, Georgina? Enoch. Very good. Enoch walked with God and then he was no more. Pastor Georgina. Good for you. So um, those are the two. So uh, they didn't experience physical death the way everybody else did. For whatever reason, just because God is God, we don't know. But... but uh, Elijah was caught up in a whirlwind, and Enoch walked with God, and then he was no more. That's in Genesis um, 5, I think. But it could be 6 or 7. Anyway, if it's not 5, just read 5, 6, and 7 if you're interested. It's good for you. You can never read too much. Okay, so now the ministry of, of prophet of Israel, in effect, there were, there were other guys, but Elijah was the main guy up to this point. And remember, Elijah did some pretty good miracles. Remember, he did the, we talked about it last week, he stretched the, the flour and the oil for the woman who fed him and her son, and then he brought the son back to life. So, among other things, that's what he did. All right, now, Elisha has, so he's asked for a double portion, and he's going to do some of the exact same miracles uh, as well in the process. So here goes one in Second um, Kings 4, 8. One day Elisha went to Shunem and a well-to-do woman was there. So now it's a little different because the other one was poor. Remember Elijah was poor. But this is a well-to-do woman. She urged him to stay for a meal. So whenever he came by, he stopped there to eat. And she said to her husband, I know that this man who often comes our way is a holy man of God. Let's make a small room on the roof and put, it in, put in it a bed and a table and a chair and a lamp for him. And then he can stay there whenever he comes to us. And one day when Elisha came, he went up to his room and laid down there. And he said to his servant Gehazi, call the Shumanite. And so he called her and she stood before him. Elijah said, tell her, you've gone to all this trouble for us. Now what can be done for you? Can we speak on your behalf to the king or the commander of the army? And she replied, I have a home among my own people. Well, what can be done for her? Elijah asked. Gehazi said, well, she has no son and her husband is old. And then Elijah said, Elisha said to her, uh, said, call her. So he called her and she stood in the doorway. About this time next year, Elisha said, you will hold a son in your arms. No, my Lord, she objected. Don't mislead your servant, O man of God. But the woman became pregnant and the next year, about that same time, she gave birth to a son, just as Elisha had told her. And the child grew. And one day he went out to his father who was with the reapers. My head, my head, he said to the father. And his father told his servant, carry him to his mother. 
And after the servant had lifted him up and carried him to his mother, the boy sat on her lap until noon, and then he died. She went up and laid him on the bed of the man of God, then shut the door and went out. She called her husband and said, Please send me one of the servants and a donkey so I can go to the man of God quickly and return. Why go to him today? He asked. It's not the new moon or the Sabbath. It's all right, she said. She saddled the donkey and said to her servant, Lead on. Don't slow down for me unless I tell you. So she set out and came to the man of God at Mount Carmel. When he saw her in the distance, the man of God said to his servant, Gehazi, Look, there's the Shumanite. Run to meet her and ask her, Are you all right? Is your husband all right? Is your child all right? Everything is all right, she said. When she reached the man of God at the mountain, she took hold of his feet. Gehazi, Gehazi came over and pushed her away, but the man of God said, Leave her alone. She's in bitter distress, but the Lord has hidden it from me and has not told me, uh, not told me why. Did I ask you for a son, my Lord? She said, Didn't I tell you don't raise my hopes? And Elisha said to Gehazi, Tuck your cloak into your belt, take my staff in your hand, and run. If you meet anyone, do not greet him. And if anyone greets you, do not answer. Lay my staff on the boy's face. But the child's mother said, As surely as the Lord lives and as you live, I will not leave you. So he got up and followed her. Gehazi went on ahead and laid the staff on the boy's face, but there was no sound or response. So Gehazi went back to meet Elisha and told him, The boy is not awakened. And when Elisha reached the house, there was the boy lying dead on his couch. He went in, shut the door on the two of them, and prayed to the Lord. Then he got on the bed and lay upon the boy, mouth to mouth, eyes to eyes, hands to hands, and he stretched himself out upon him. The boy's body grew warm, and Elisha turned away and walked back and forth in the room, and then got on the bed and stretched out upon him once more. And the boy sneezed seven times and opened his eyes. And Elisha summoned Gehazi and said, Call the Shumanite. And he did. When she came, he said, Take your son. She came in, fell at his feet, and bowed to the ground. And then she took her son and went out. So um, similar to Elijah's miracle, obviously quite different, but you see sort of a, a pattern again happening where he, um, Elisha is used by the Lord to bring this um, child back to life in the process. He died and he was brought back to life. And, and so kind of interesting to watch happen. Now, Second Kings 5, uh, there's a guy named Naaman. If, if you grew up in church, you heard about Naaman in Sunday school. Uh, if, you, if you didn't, you probably haven't heard of Naaman. Uh, and um, he was a commander of the uh, army of the king of Aram. Do we still teach about Naaman in Sunday school? Thank you. Pastor Georgina says yes. Uh, I figured we would because it's a pretty interesting story. So Naaman is a big commander of a, of a different army, and uh, Syrian army, and... Um, he uh, comes down with leprosy. He gets leprosy. Uh, and so he was a valiant soldier, but he had leprosy. Now, uh, I'm in verse 2 of Second Kings 5. Bands from Aram had gone out and taken captive a young girl from Israel, and she served Naaman's wife. She said to her mistress, If only my master would see the prophet who was in Samaria, he would cure him of his leprosy. So Naaman went to his master, verse 4, and said to, uh, told him what the girl from Israel had said. By all means, go, the king of Aram replied, and I will send a letter to the king of Israel. So Naaman left, taking with him ten talents of silver, six thousand shekels of gold, and ten sets of clothing. And the letter he took to the king of Israel read, With this letter I'm sending my servant Naaman to you, so that you may cure him of his leprosy. And as soon as the king of Israel read the letter, he tore his robes and said, Am I God? Can I uh, kill and bring back to life? Why does this fellow send someone to me to be cured of his leprosy? See how he's trying to pick a quarrel with me. And when Elisha, the man of God, heard the king of Israel had torn his robes, he sent a message, Why have you torn your robes? Have the man come to me, and he will know that there is a prophet in Israel. So again, the, God is using the prophet mightily to, to work in these kingdoms where the king has gone bad. Um, and they, they, by and large, don't like that. 
you'll see they're often trying to get the prophets to tell them something good and the prophets usually don't have something good to say and uh, but here this time he says uh, so Naaman goes um, to Elisha's house verse 10 Elisha sent a messenger to say to him Elisha didn't even come down go wash yourself seven times in the Jordan your flesh will be stored and you'll be cleansed so Naaman who's traveled a long way he's got all these money and everything he's expecting the man of God to come and pray for him and the man of God doesn't even bother to get out of the house Elisha just says here's what you go down the Jordan wash seven times so Naaman's furious and, and uh, he's, a, he's a fierce warrior too pretty, pretty significant deal and uh, and, and so, and, and he's saying, you know, uh, in verse 12, are not uh, Abana and Farfar, the rivers of Damascus, better than any of the waters of Israel? Couldn't I wash in them and be cleansed? So he turned and he went off in a rage. But Naaman's servants went to him and said, My father, if the prophet had told you to do some great thing, would you not have done it? How much more then when he tells you, wash and be cleansed? So Naaman went down and dipped himself in the Jordan seven times, as the man of God had told him, and his flesh was restored and became clean like that of a young boy. Now, I think that's cool too, because you got to. So, so it took some response on Naaman's part, because he had to go and dip himself seven times. Once wasn't enough. Twice wasn't enough. Three times wasn't enough. What if he'd have given up? But he, he did it the way he was told seven times. To do it seven times, he did it seven times. When he came up the seventh time, he was restored and his leprosy was gone. His, his flesh was made clean. Verse 15 Naaman and all his attendants went back to the man of God. He stood before him and said, Now I know that there is no God in all the world except in Israel. Please accept now a gift from your servant. But the prophet answered, As surely as the Lord lives, whom I serve, I will not accept a thing. And even though Naaman urged him, he refused. If you will not, said Naaman, please let me, your servant, be given as much earth as a pair of mules can carry, for your servant will never again make burnt offerings and sacrifices to any other God but the Lord. But may the Lord forgive your servant for this one thing, when my master, master enters the temple of Rimon to bow down and he's leaning on my arm and I bow down there also when I bow down in the temple of Rimon may the Lord forgive me uh, forgive your servant for this so uh, Naaman has figured out who God is and he said I'm only going to worship God but I, I have to sort of play the part uh, in this false God temple you think God can forgive me for that and Elisha seems to say okay don't worry about it but uh, Go in peace, Elisha says. Naaman travels some distance. Gehazi now, so this is the rest of the story. The servant, he thinks that um, Elisha, the man of God, was way too easy on Naaman. Uh, and so uh, he runs after him so he can get something from him. Verse 21, so Gehazi hurries after Naaman. And when Naaman saw him running toward him, uh, toward him he got down from the chariot to meet him. Is everything all right? Everything's all right, Gehazi answered. My master sent me to say, two young men from the company of the prophets have just come to me from the hill country of Ephraim. Please give them a talent of silver and two sets of clothing. By all means, take two talents, said Naaman. And he urged Gehazi to accept them and then tied up the two talents of silver in two bags with two sets of clothing. And he gave them the two of his servants and they carried them ahead of Gehazi. When Gehazi came to the hill, he took the things from the servants and put them away in the house. And he sent the men away and they left. And then he went in and stood before his master, Elisha. Where have you been, Gehazi? Elisha asked. Your servant didn't go anywhere, Gehazi answered. But Elisha said to him, You'd think it, you, well, you, you know what I'm about to say, right? Gehazi's been watching Elisha for a while. Why would you even think you'd get away with lying to? But Elisha says to him, Was not my spirit with you when the man got down from his chariot to meet you? 
Is this the time to take money to accept clothes, olive groves, vineyards, flocks, herds, or manservants and maidservants? Naaman's leprosy will cling to you and to your descendants forever. Then Gehazi went from Elisha's presence and he was leprous as white as snow. Uh, so, you know, it's just Gehazi overwhelmed by greed and totally sort of forgets everything. And, and uh, not a good choice. One more, one more quick story. I'm not going to be able to cover everything. This is a really good story. Second Kings 6. The company of the prophets, verse 1, said to Elisha, Look, the place where we meet with you is too small for us. So Elisha runs like a school for prophets. Let us go to the Jordan where each of us can get a pole and let us build a place for us to live. And he said, Go. And then one of them said, Won't you please come with your servants? I will, Elisha replied. And he went with them. And they went to the Jordan and began to cut down trees. As one of them was cutting down a tree, the iron axe head fell into the water. Oh, my Lord, he cried, it was borrowed. And the man of God asked, Where did it fall? And when he showed him the place, Elisha cut a stick and threw it there and made the iron float. Lift it out, he said, and then the man reached out and his hand took it. Now, that, that might not seem like a significant deal. I mean, it's pretty cool that he makes an iron axe head float, but there's, it's more significant than that. So, um, a continual theme, a theme throughout the Old Testament is, is about um, being released from slavery, bondage, indebtedness, and getting out of those things and coming to a place of rest uh, in the process. So you remember, I'm, I'm always telling you about that with um, the Exodus, right? That, that uh, the, the Exodus is God miraculously rescuing His people and delivering them from slavery and moving them into the promised land. And you've heard me say this a lot. And there, you know, there they're given the ten words about how to live, the ten commandments. And, and uh, so God's into that whole picture of rescue and deliverance and moving into a place of rest. So there's something about that that just happened that I want you to see. So as I said, Elisha has a school for prophets. He's teaching people how to, how to operate in that ministry. And uh, um, all of a sudden he said, you know, where the, the place where we meet, uh, it's, it's too small. Students are saying it's just too small for us. So we want to go and we want to build some more log cabins so that we got some you know, place to stay at the school. There's too many of us now and it's not big enough. So let's go to the Jordan. We're each going to get some logs there so that we can make a place for us to dwell here at the school. And said it was a good plan and they, they said they really wanted him to go. He says, so I'll go with you. So they go to the Jordan and they're, they're chopping down trees for this, uh, this school house they're going to build. Um, but as one was chopping down a tree, his axe head fell into the water. So I don't know if you've ever had that experience where you're swinging an axe or a sledgehammer and the head comes off. Anybody ever had that happen? I have. I just slips right off. It's kind of a weird feeling. Well, this axe head slips off and goes into the Jordan. So it's not like they have scuba equipment or anything. It's gone, and it seems like it's gone forever. Now, you might not think, well, why is that such a big deal? It's an axe head. Well, Back in this period of time, uh, an iron axe head was worth a lot of money. It's a very valuable thing. And uh, it's gone now into the water. And you, you hear the young prophet say, uh-oh, that was borrowed. I borrowed that. So you might think, well, why is that a big deal? Well, back in the day, um, if, if, and really true, th this part would be true. If you borrowed something and you've lost it, you're responsible for it, right? If you borrow something, break it, you're responsible for it. Well, he'd lost it. But the, the prophets, the school, they, they would have had no money. That, that was the situation. 
And what happened back then, when you went into debt to someone, you became their slave. That was the only, that was the recourse, the economic recourse of how you paid off a debt in that happened. And so um, what Elisha has done by bringing this axe head buck up out of the water is he's provided deliverance for this young man. He's, he's rescued him from slavery, if you would, in the process. And, and it's a picture of what God is constantly doing. God wants to rescue you out of slavery and bondage and indebtedness in the process. Then another thing that's really cool is that Axe Head is delivered through the waters of the Jordan um, by a piece of wood. Remember I've told you these things pop up and you, you need to be looking for them because something very significant happens on a piece of wood um, for us. And, and so um, this miracle is performed by the power of God um, through Elisha of retrieving the axe head by um, a tree or a stick. And, and actually the word is either one of them there. And it really represents the, the power of redemption of Christ at the cross. It's what he does is that Christ makes a way to cancel our debt in the process. And he does it on the cross. He does it uh, on the tree in the whole um, picture. And, and also the Jordan, you know, is involved in the ministry of Jesus because he's baptized there. He comes through the water and then he's going to go to the cross for us. And it's sort of a picture of the coming events that happens to us. And there's another thing too is that the, there's a picture. So when the axe head floats, which is pretty miraculous, it's a picture of restoration. It's something that was lost being restored. And it's a picture of who God is. He's a God of restoration. And, and He's constantly restoring things. He's in the restoration business. And, and I think it's important for us to remember that as we go through life. Because some of us, have, you know, you've lost some things. You, 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 you know, maybe you've lost some joy in your life or you've lost some peace in your life or family relationships that aren't right. But God is a God of restoration, and if we'll trust Him, um, he, he will move into those things and bring restoration into the process. And so it's a picture of all that happening there uh, with a, a lost axe head. But always be looking for those things, and there's several places where uh, a stick is used uh, in, you know, in the Mara, in the rivers, the bitter rivers, remember, and the stick makes them sweet. Um, it's a picture, again, of what Jesus is doing in the process. Okay, I can't do that one. Maybe we'll do that one next week. There's another great story, Second Kings 7, but I'm out of time. So I'll, I'll mark it and we'll come back to it. I don't want to go long. So that's enough. If you're watching on video, thanks for watching. We'll pick it up there next time. And uh, we'll see you. Okay, if you have prayer requests, you can pass them up to me. And uh, Kim's going to pick. Thanks for watching this broadcast from Keys Vineyard Community Church in Big Pine Key, Florida. Be sure to like us on Facebook and subscribe to our YouTube channel. For more information, log on to keysvineyard.com. We'll see you next time.